0: Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences.
1: Carl J. Cox here, and I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where we talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. At 40 strategy, we provide strategic planning consulting to help your organizations realize and achieve their dreams. So I mean, basically what we do is we help organizations create strategic plans, but more importantly, on getting them done. We found that if you focus on the right things, you can Harvard Business Review has shown that you can actually have triple the success. Now I don't know you, you know about this, but only about two percent two percent of organizations' time is actually spent on strategic planning. And I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty crazy that's that small amount when you agree. Absolutely. And, and so because of that gap, that's why organizations call in 40 Strategy. We help them because this is what we do all day long. And so they take on our expertise to help them have more success with proven strategies and who would ultimately want that. So if you want to contact us, do it catch at 40strategy.com or simply go to our website at 40strategy.com. And and with that, we're going to have our um, shout out. I always like to shout out somebody who has been making a difference in our ecosystem. And that person today is Marcy McKay. Marcy is the president at Second uh, Site Strategies. She's been an excellent resource for 40 Strategy and to continuing our growth and helping to serve our clients as well. So thank you, Marcy. And with that, I get the privilege to introduce Simon Severino. Simon, uh, he helps business owners and SaaS and services discover how to help their company run more efficiently, which results in sales that soar. He created the Strategy Sprints method that doubles revenue in 90 days by getting owners out of the weeds. Simon is also CEO and founder of Strategy Sprints, which is a global team of certified strategy coaches, which offers customized strategy to help clients gain market share and work with and, and a weekly sprints, which result in fast execution. He is also a Forbes Magazine Council member, a contributor to Entrepreneur Magazine, and he's also a member of Duke Computer Corporate Education. He has also completed education at the MIT Sloan School of Management for Innovation of Products and Services, and he has a degrees of philosophy and psychology with summa cum laude at the University of Vienna. So welcome Simon to the Measure Success Podcast. Hey Carl, hey everybody. So let's start with the beginning, of course. Tell us a little bit more about
0: your company Strategy Sprints. We started Strategy Sprints because we were fed up with the way CEOs have to book consultants and uh, we became CEOs ourselves after 17 years of being consultants. And I was like, I'm not gonna book these guys. So something was broken. Why do I not trust my own profession? And then I went deep into that and said, because it's, it's not working. They are not designing their offers around the client's need, around the entrepreneur. How often does the entrepreneur take decisions? Every three weeks in an eight hour workshop? No. We take decisions 15 times, 20 times per day. And this is the moment where I need five minutes with my coach. It's like Spider-Man and his guy in the chair. Hey, should I kick the left door or the right door? And uh, give me a minute. And then he says, kick the left door. This is what we need. And this was missing. I didn't find it. So I did build it for myself first. And then people started asking for it. Hey, Cool template on how to do a blue ocean strategy. Can I have it? And this is how we started creating a library of templates. And now we have 274 templates, sales templates, marketing templates, operation templates. And we are a global company now with, uh, with clients from Silicon Valley to Shanghai. But it started with me being a solo founder and not having the right coach that I needed in that moment.
1: So um, I love it how you came up with these templates that you mentioned. And, and that is such a hard part of anything, right, is, is knowing where do I start? You know, what, how, and how do I put something in a specific framework? So tell me about a couple of the first one to three templates that really started resonating with people on the outside world. They're like, I need this template. Like, what's your, what's your most heavily downloaded template that you have?
0: The top three templates, and by the way, everybody, they are open source. Everybody can download them at strategysprings.com slash tools. Top one downloading, how do I onboard and manage the performance of new people? So we call it the job scorecard. Page one of the spreadsheet is how you define the role and the metrics. And page two is the monthly template to monthly review performance from both perspectives. That's. how how to onboard people and how to manage them. And you don't need an eight-hour workshop to do that. You just download this template. You will crush it. You don't need to study 19-hour years of psychology. In the template is everything you need. The second one is, how do I niche down? So if I get compared too much to others and if I have to discuss prices, which is horrible to discuss prices, discuss benefits, but if people start discussing prices with you, then you don't don't have a good positioning. So you have to improve your positioning, niche down even more, be less comparable, swim away from your competition. And uh, for that, we use the equalizer. It's a spreadsheet that helps you do a competitive analysis in 30 minutes. And at the end it says, you should cut costs here. You should reduce costs here. You should double down the investments that you saved on this part here and invest more in this because this makes you unique. And now you have your niche. And uh, and the third one, uh, well, position three, we have a lot of templates on position three, but I would say one is definitely the time finder. How do you currently allocate your time? And what should you delegate next? What should you systemize, cut, delegate? Love it. Do you, I, I was noticing on your website, you,
1: you talked about saving CEOs time. Where, where do you see is the most common thing that a traditional CEO is, for lack of a better term, wasting their time on that's not adding value?
0: Oh, let me tell you about a phone call today. Silicon Valley entrepreneurs starting an accelerator. Two guys starting it together. Launch was a couple of weeks ago, big press thing, now discussing with me how to scale that thing. And I go like, okay, tell me how, how do you plan to divide who's, who's doing product, who's doing sales, what are you doing tomorrow? And, uh, and they go like, oh yeah, so I will create the videos and I will edit the videos. And like, Wait a moment you are creating an accelerator and you will be editing the videos yeah sure that's that's my one of my superpowers i i'm a youtube uh specialist and i say okay how many hours do you plan to edit videos well that's a full-time job and, say, and that's how you grow a company so as you can see these are smart people uh very accomplished people their last company went really well but in this one they are caught in the hectic of doing stuff just because they're good at it. And this is number one distraction, is doing what you're good at versus doing what grows your business. Mm. That If you slow down for a second and just write down the tasks of tomorrow, and then double check them by their leverage, by their impact, then you will find some of these that you should delegate. And a simple question is, which of these tasks will bring $50 per hour, which one 500 and which one 50,000? And then you go through them and then you do more of the high leverage. And so day by day you start hiring and delegating the low leverage tasks and week after week, uh, we have also a weekly a weekly template. How to design your week accordingly? So it's 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 the ideal week template, and this is how you design your week to be more and more made of high leverage tasks instead of low leverage tasks.
1: That that is uh, an excellent, such an important. Uh, it was interesting. I um, you've probably heard of Darren Hardy, um, the compound effect, the author of that. He talks about some similar concepts of. Making sure that you're focusing on your time on anything that's below what you should be trying to earn per hour as either as an organization a person, you should not be doing, right? You should be trying to drive and have your, the whole Pareto principle, right? Is focusing on the things that have the greatest impact. But you mentioned something that's super hard. You mentioned that somebody who knows how to do YouTube, right? And he's going to be the best in the world and better than anybody he can hire to do it how do you get him to feel comfortable and knows that he has to let it go and he can't micromanage that process? You know, is it, is it the, is the dollar value contributing? What's going to help him realize that it is in the company's best interest to not no longer do the YouTube videos as that example is.
0: So my coaches, the certified strategy Prince coaches, they are great at asking questions. They will ask these people, All right. How many clients do you want to onboard this year? And then from there, they will they will work back, and uh, and then they will ask, okay, so this month, this week, ah, okay, seven this week. What are the activities that will lead to seven this week? And then he will list out what the activities are, and then the coach will ask, how likely is it with these activities that you will land seven clients? And so. We do it like, like Socrates, we, we try to help them find their, their time suckers and to find out, because the best thing is when they go, oh, I should do less of this, because then you have the highest execution probability. And Worst case, the coach will say, mm, am I allowed to give you some feedback here? You will never reach seven clients if you do this this week so think about the high grow activities joint ventures sales conversations improving the sales script uh improving the mix of owned media paid media and third-party media and so think about of the growth activities and the other activities and what your mix should be so that you will achieve these goals otherwise uh you will not achieve the goals so Let's look at the activities and change the activities accordingly. Mm-hmm. Love it. So,
1: w- one of the things you mentioned, uh, you have it on your website, is y- you want to double revenue in 90 days. Um, that's an audacious goal. And I love it. I love, I've loved goals where you're, you're going to, hey, we're going to be able to double your own. Now, does that matter whether a $100,000 company, a $500,000 company, a $3 million company? is a 10 million dollar company. To help me, you know, cuz scale obviously is a big difference as you mentioned like earlier you talking with the startup. Where where is that play true? You know what I mean? Cuz that that's a significant promise so to speak that the, somebody's going to be doubling your revenue or is there a certain client type of clients that you regularly work with? Are you typically working with startups?
0: We work with established small companies. Small companies that are around for a couple of years and they have already market validation not only product validation, but also market validation. And it's not that hard to double your revenue. If you are around 17 years like we are in in many countries, in many industries, then you see immediately the low hanging fruits and these are the 274 templates. So one thing is we take away from them all the burden of thinking, what should I fix next? Uh, What should I do? that's taken off from them because the sprint really is a landscape that is formed for them by the coach they just go through to this today's task and do the task next week's task and do the task so it's like karate training uh it's it's an environment that helps you learn fast then the second thing is that there are three leverage points that are in every business and that are usually underused. Conversion rate from current leads. We get that up by 25 percent with better sales script. People usually don't have a sales script. We help them create a good sales script that everybody uses. And now they will convert 25 percent more from just from their current conversations that they already have, no marketing. Just people right now who are on your website, they want something from you. How you can you convert them better? 25%. And part of it is follow-up, and part of it is the sales script. So we get the recordings of their sales colleagues. This, that's how deep we go uh, in in implementing. We get their, their sales recordings and we give them feedback. Look. This is when you went too early into features, you should stay at benefits. This is where you have to shut up and let them steer in the moment. This is where you jumped too early to the solution. So really the nitty gritty. So first lever, 25% higher conversion of current leads. Second lever, we will raise their price by on average 25% in these 90 days because we will work on their positioning. have usually not positioned well. They are too comparable. So we will help them niche a bit more down. Then there is no comparison. We package the whole thing better. We install the NPS. They will have their clients tell them what's really working and what's really broken. They will improve it every week. We raise their price because now the product is better and it's better positioned. So 25% higher price. Third lever, is the sales time, the frequency of the buy, 25% faster frequency, you can intensify the relationship. We work with high ticket B2B uh, sales companies. So you have eight to 14 contact points with a client before they buy. Now, traditionally you need a year to get to 14 contact points, but with a very good email funnel, and this is what we implement with our clients, you can do that in 12 days. So we shorten the sales cycle from very long to 12 days. And then the next thing is also on the frequency that you can get much more effective with a real upselling and cross-selling system that most companies do not have. It it, it happens spontaneously, but not very systematically. So we install a very systematic way of upselling cross-selling And these are the three levers 25% in customer conversion, in price, and in frequency. And you have a plus 99% in revenue. Which is not even the most important thing because I don't care about revenue. I want best profits. But revenue is what everybody's going for. And that's why we communicate about the revenue, but really revenue is nothing if you don't have a nice profit margin. So what we of course uh, then do is improving the operation so that more of the revenue stays in-house. I appreciate you bringing that up Of um, of so much, especially in SaaS companies. I noticed
1: some of the companies you work with That's it's. it's Grow, 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 right? But you can actually grow and grow profitably, and and you know, with because ultimately, if you don't generate positive cash flow, you're always at the whim of your investors, and and I think one of the things that's missed a lot of times by uh, entrepreneurs is when you raise money, that's a liability. It's not an asset. It is something that you owe back to those shareholders to pay back again, and if you aren't generating cash flow you put yourself at high risk, right? You know, of of not being able to um, lose losing control of your company because you're not generating cash flow fast enough to be able to fund your operations or being able to get the right turn on investment that you're looking for, right? For yourself and for future equity owners. So I love it that you think not only about the top line, but being efficient with that process. So you can actually generate positive cash flow in the bottom line. And not just EBITDA, right? Um Actually, net, I'm assuming you mean actually net income positive profits. Is that fair to say, Simon?
0: Yeah, gross margin <laughs> it's, it is the real thing and, and net profit. But gross margin, getting that right. For example, we work with a lot of consultancies, IT consultancies, management consultancies. And, you know, the big names and they have huge revenues but their profit rate you wouldn't believe it it's around 16 to 23% gross margin mm-hmm. now we run a consulting company we have a net profit which was on average around 63.7% and is now in right now in this month uh, it is at 83% net profit 83% so even if we had a, a, a meh month in terms of revenue, that's a very healthy proportion of what stays in home. And uh, and, and that's one thing to really focus on when you run a business, how healthy is this? And uh, the net profit and the NPS and the team NPS, these are the three things that tell you how healthy your, your company is. And these are the three things to really track and improve. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's- those are perfect. And and first of all, I loved it how
1: you remembered that your old net profit was 63.7%. You moved it up to 83%. And I think for people who are listening today, they're probably their jaws dropping they're like, how do you do that? But you described it. You described, you develop on growth, you help maintain focus on the right things, have probably more cost-effective people driving the activities that are driving less value, you know, to help to outsource that. And then, and then do it in an efficient manner. And then you have a lot of built-in templates that you already mentioned, you know, over 200 templates where people are able to use existing, so you're not recreating the wheel every single time you work with them.
0: And we are very numeric. I know all my numbers. You can ask me all my numbers of this month. That's the job of a CEO to know the numbers. And the first number is the profit and then the costs and the revenues and the, the, your main numbers are really important. My main marketing numbers, my main operations numbers, my main sales numbers are always on my mind. And every seven days we discuss them as a team. That's the sprint method. Every every day you check how you're spending your time. Every week you get all your numbers and uh, learn from the numbers and execute on the numbers, improve based on the numbers. And every month you check your positioning uh, and, uh, and your strategy, if it's correct or if you need to course correct. But really every seven days I see all the numbers and, uh, and, and, and I am surprised that not everybody takes numbers seriously when you ask them, they don't know their numbers. Because then you're taking decisions based on a house of cards, mm-hmm. you're flying blind. Mm-hmm. I don't want to fly blind. I want to take decisions based on reality. And reality is our numbers right now this week. Love it. I
1: absolutely love that. And and, and clearly you said one of the things, I think often CEOs rely upon their CFO right to guide, but you're saying, no, it is is the expectation of the CEO to know and understand these numbers. Is that fair to say?
0: It's the job. Our job is only vision, hiring, culture, and knowing the numbers, nothing else. Everything else is a distraction, is micromanagement. Love that. Okay, Simon, so
1: you, I love what part. I love what you're doing with your clients, your money. Let's talk about the personal side a little bit, if you're okay with that. Um, tell me a little bit on, you obviously have developed a great company. You're making a significant difference to the companies around that, but how do you drive yourself to be more effective on a regular basis you know what kind of per, what kind of personal strategies that you do on a day-to-day basis that's outside of business to help give you the energy and the effectiveness on, on a regular so tell i'm really curious uh, the same discipline of strategies that you've done in the business are you applying this on your personal life as well
0: I would say I'm not a disciplined person, but there are some ripple effects coming from from the way we organize our business. And so, of of course, today in the evening, I will write down my daily flow of tomorrow. So this daily exercise, of course I do it. And I say, okay, tomorrow at 5.30, my alarm will go off. From six to seven, I will run 10 kilometers in nature. That's what I do. And then instead of breakfast, I will play with my two kids until 8 o'clock because that's my priority number one. First is me time, that's running. And then it's me as a father uh, playing with my two kids. They're two years old and five years old, so they want papa and They want to play, so that's my priority number one. I play with them, and whatever they want to do, we do. It's usually singing, dancing, Lego, whatever. We do it. And then uh, 8 o'clock, I start working. It says in my calendar, the first hours are no meetings. There is no way to book me uh, for meetings before afternoon or interviews, everything afternoon. In the morning, it says top three, top three, top three until 12 o'clock. And the top threes I get from my project list. So I will basically, they are prioritized. I open that and I see, oh, these are the top three that I have to do in the morning. Then then I have lunch and then afternoon is usually interviews, hiring, um, performance management, assist analytics team, marketing team, sales team. We go through the numbers, Uh, all hands meeting, coach meeting. uh, And then in the evening, I have my own daily podcast. That's the last thing in the day that I do. Uh, It's around five o'clock of my time. I have one guest on my show that I don't know and I'm curious and I talk to a stranger for one hour and then I close off the day by reflecting the current day. I write down the top three of tomorrow, the flow of tomorrow. I go and cook for my family or they have cooked and uh, we eat. And then I have two hours just of family time, bringing them to bed. And that's it. That's my day. I, uh,
1: that was excellent. And and I love it how you you talked about, A, you start out, I think one of the most important things, right, is you, you got to take care of your own self before you can take care of others. You know, it's one of those really, it, it appears to be selfish, but it's critical, right? And so you you get your energy out. It just sounds like you do some type of trail running out there and be in nature. Uh, You live in Austria, so you have this beautiful area you get to run around in on a regular basis. Um, But then you come back in and spend time with your family. And, you know, congratulations, you got a young, uh, sounds like a two and a five year old you're mentioning. But the part that was maybe missed for those who weren't listening is you have that, you don't just spend an hour focusing on the most important things, you spend your first half of your day from a work perspective on the most important things. It's not until after that's done, do you take the second half and start focusing on uh, non-things. And then at the end of the day, you, you shut down. It sounds like you're, you're after you've finished your podcast, you're you're back to family time, you know, refreshing family time. Is that fair to say? So you have a very scheduled period. Obviously there's, there's fluctuations day to day, but it sounds like you have some consistency of what you do on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, I have time blocks for activities because, you know, running a business is really hectic. Everybody wants something from you all the time. So if I don't have these blockers, I, I, I work 23 hours per day because I like the people who want to talk to me. And uh, I would get involved in, in Zooms uh, the whole day. So, but, but my priority number one is, is really my family. And then comes me and my business. So that needs to be reflected in, in my time blockers. Otherwise, we, we have no chance of having this flow.
1: Right, that's right. That is, uh, that is fantastic. Well,
0: Simon, this has been an
1: amazing podcast, very enlightening, uh, very much in the business as well as the personal side. You have a big stack of books behind you. What is one or two books that you would recommend for our audience?
0: I love the book The Lost Art of Closing by Anthony Yanarino. One of the best books, it's about the 10 commitments that you want to achieve while closing. It's the opposite of most sales books who tell you exactly you should do this and this and this and this and he says no, have a have a natural human conversation and you have to you have to check these 10 boxes at some point. They don't need to be perfectly in order. But you need these 10 commitments and, uh, and make sure you don't, you don't jump into something before you don't have these commitments in place. It's a wonderful book. Mm, I love it. Great suggestion. So tell us, um, how could
1: people learn more about you and your organization?
0: We are at strategiesprints.com, and we hang out. in a private Facebook group. But if you say you come from Carl, I will let you in. It's around 900 business owners. It's a Facebook group and it's called Entrepreneurship in Sprints. This is where we talk everything, sales, uh, marketing, operations, hiring, etc. And this is where we hang out most. I'm also on Instagram at Strategy Sprints. You will find us everywhere. Good stuff. Well, all right, Simon. Thank you so much. I
1: appreciate you being on the show today. And thank you to everyone else who's listening, wishing you the very best at measuring success. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Measure Success podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.